the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Rescuers Radio Show at faithtalk1360.com, faithtalk1360. And the the show airs every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. And you can also listen to all the podcasts all over the place. So uh, I am really excited about the guest I have here. I've known for a long time, and very good friends, Mary Jo West. Hello, Welcome Art. to the Rescuers Radio Show. Oh, so <laughs> wonderful to be here on Faith 1360. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, she's done about everything you can possibly do in uh, the media business, uh, radio and TV, and, and TV especially. But um, I always ask our, our guests to start us off, uh, before we go do a, a deep dive into what you've done and, and your accomplishments and so forth, uh, give us a backstory about Mary Jo West. How did you get here? <laughs> well, first, Art, thank you so much for doing this program. What a great way to use your talents. Uh, <laughs> I have talents. I have yeah, one. I, know I don't know. <laughs> We're so blessed that you're on this program. and. Bottom line is, I grew up in College Park, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta. So okay. every time you land in the airport in Atlanta, you're you're literally landing on both of my childhood homes <laughs> because the airport kept, you know, getting bigger and bigger and taking One of the biggest. our homes. Yes. Yeah. Idyllic uh, childhood, lived at the church, went all the time to church. It was such a vital part of my life. And... Um, when I was in the ninth grade, my voice changed, my singing voice changed. So I received a voice scholarship to Florida State University, and then uh, years, a few years later, became Miss Atlanta, if you can imagine. I wasn't never the prettiest, but somehow I sang okay, and they crowned me. And when I was Miss Atlanta, I traveled the world, and some of my vision of life expanded, and I changed to the major of journalism at the University of Georgia. And it was in the early 70s when the FCC, as you know all about, um, decided, hey, it's time to hire minorities. So I came along at the right time, was doing broadcasting in Thomasville, Georgia, Tallahassee, Florida, (laughs) and then landed the big break, coming to Phoenix in 75 to Channel 8, and then becoming our city's first primetime anchorwoman on what was then called Cool TV, Cool News Channel 10. 
And uh, that's how I got to Phoenix. So you didn't just break the uh, glass ceiling. You shattered it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Had a lot of good people supporting me. So uh, you said your voice changed. It must have changed for the better. Well, that was, it was truly. <laughs> you became a singer. <laughs> it was truly a God thing. Yeah. It really was. I We have no control over our vocal cords, but I was at a summer <laughs> youth camp at Shorter College in Rome, Georgia, and I'm singing these songs, and all of a sudden this operatic woman's voice came out of my mouth Whoa. and and the rest is history and and I did get to do even here in Phoenix I got to do in 82 I took a leave of absence and did sound of music and was Maria and I know we that. helped save the theater and so <laughs> uh, music will always be a part of me and when I am at my lowest or sometimes highest I'll sit down at the piano and get out the Baptist hymnal or the Methodist hymnal and just <laughs> play and sing Awesome. So um, you arrived here in 75. I did. And 76, you were uh, already moving into Channel 10. That's right. And was it a um, a pleasurable greeting? <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful staff with young, exciting uh, reporters who were out to uh, change the world and... Um, the stumbling block at the time was with my boss, a man named Bill Close, who I love and respect, who who, who left us about five years ago. He died. Yeah. But it was not easy. Bill was that, of that other generation and did not want a young woman half his age sitting next to him. And it was not an easy time. But I decided to, and I'll give some advice here if you don't mind, if for all of us who've had bosses that are difficult, learn from them. Learn from their positive uh, capabilities, and that's what I did. But it was not easy. There were many tearful nights, uh, and it was very, very hard. But he knew all about the state politically. He had a lot of strengths, and I loved Bill. I just there were some times where we didn't like each other. He was not happy to be sit to frankly to be sharing uh, that news desk, but what I did is I decided to work harder than anyone in the newsroom and started with teamwork, winning some awards and getting some respect as a female journalist, and hopefully that helped. Well, and look at the look at the inspiration that you've been to younger uh, women who are who want to be a journalist. You've 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 left a wonderful track for them. Thank you, Art. And Thank an you. I've met with, it feels like hundreds, but anyone who ever called me <laughs> through the years, uh, I'd always meet with them and give them some advice. And Because there was no one to give me advice at the time about being the first sure. female. You were it. And I made the shoe too big, quite frankly. I tried to do too many things. And so uh, now at, at my age, I've learned the art of balance, which I wish I had known earlier. <laughs> Well, and and I don't know about you, but at my stage of life, I've learned a lot about focus on the Lord. Amen, Amen brother. <laughs> Cause, cause my own path can go this way, zigzag, zigzag, and he keeps keeps me uh, and us in the in the narrow road, right? That's so right. So, um, um, I, I'm interested uh, to know more about how you progressed through that time, and 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 you made it through. Uh, health-wise, you were always at your game? No, I wasn't. Um, one of my ministries is helping people with mental illness. 
And I won't go into all the details, but I was diagnosed with having clinical depression, which is an illness, not mm-hmm. a weakness, yes. and you know, imbalance of the chemicals in my brain. It's not your fault. And also, I had a, a short period of, frankly, uh, bipolar. And back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, we didn't talk about mental illness. And it was a horrible, horrible time. Mm. But the station management gave me great support. I went to the best psychiatrist in the state of Arizona and got help and even went on Oprah Winfrey show to tell my story oh my. because it was that dramatic. Because at that time, the medications back in the early 80s were not like they are today and nothing was working. So I had a series of three ECTs, shock treatments. Now, three is a small number wow. uh, compared to what they normally do, but it got me back on the road. And finally, in 93, after going through several, several medications, we found the one that worked. So since 93, my ministry, one of my ministries, is meeting with anyone who is experiencing mental illness and trying to take the stigma out of it and give them hope and let them know that the light can come back on. Yeah. So you, I, you, um, you're known as the faith, hope, and love person. <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> that comes from grandmother and mother and taking me to church and, of course, our Lord and Savior. Yeah. Well, because I, I remember, um, you know, uh, we had a movement uh, or a ministry or movement, whichever it was called, called Christians and Media mm-hmm. quite a number of years ago now. And and you spoke at at, um, at one that was at a critical time in people's lives. And there were some things going on in media that weren't very healthful yes. or helpful and um and speaking now about suicides yes. and uh and you you addressed the people that came in a, in talking about depression and yes we had just lost in our community yes. a very famous radio person and his wife yes. it was a joint suicide yes. and it just really threw us off for a huge loop and we just didn't know what quite what to do mm-hmm. and so thanks to you and starting that group we came together and even though it's hard to come together now with covid we can still do zoom meetings the most important thing if you're listening is please reach out and ask for help again it's not your fault it it's possibly just uh, some chemicals in your brain just don't get to the right place yeah well um I don't. I don't know if you know this, but I came from a family where my mom was. I think we've talked about yes, this. Yes, we have, sweetie. And she was in and out of hospitals and mental, mental institutions as long as I can remember. Yes. And um, and there were some suicide attempts, yes. but um, but today is so advanced from from those those years gone by, as you've just mentioned. And everyone, but doesn't mean that the issue has gone away. Oh no! Or and the especially problem. now. And COVID. What has COVID done in this in, well, in this area? A mental health, suicide, even. What's sad is that the, there's more. There are more calls, of yeah. course, for help. Yep. But with the economy being the way it is, our non precious nonprofits are struggling. All all nonprofits. But, they are. you know, the last thing we think of is, is writing a check to our Mental Health America or NAMI, uh, National Alliance for Mentally Ill. It's not the kind of uh, organization that you normally think of when you give money. But we need help and we need research on the brain more than ever. Lots of research, thank the Lord, on cancer and those kinds of things. But research on the brain and mental illness 
is so important because it's just getting worse. Mm-hmm. You've seen the suicides with our yeah. wonderful military members and on and on and on. Yeah. I have a friend who's uh, the head of the um, mental health division at VA, oh, at the VA hospital. Yes. And um, I hear those stories from her a lot. Yes. And, and she, she used to be men, PTSD, and now, now she, her main focus are women. Uh, that have uh, less or even sometimes seri- more serious issues. Yes. Yeah. The catch-22 is when you're in that darkness where you feel paralyzed and can't get out of bed or whatever, um, it's hard to get help because the last thing you want to do is go to a computer and try to figure out the website. That's why it's important to reach out to a, a live human being for help. Yeah. And there, there are also many hotlines, and who knows, maybe you can add it to your website or something for a suicide help hotline or yeah. mental illness hotline. Yeah. Well, there's the local uh, teen lifeline. Yes. And they do an amazing job. And then there's the national suicide hotline. Absolutely. And matter of fact, you may not know this. You may or may not. Um, but a friend of mine, uh, Gordon Smith, who runs the NAB, the oh. National so- Association of Broadcasters, uh, he's been the CEO there for a while now. And before that, he was a two-time U.S. senator from Oregon. And he and his wife lost their son to suicide, dr- drug drugs addiction, not overdose, but drug addiction, and he, then he took his own life. And uh, they call it... Um, then the because he was a former senator at the time that happened that that happened, um, he and his wife formed a memorial called a memorial fund called Garrett's Memorial Fund. So G M F, and that's the funder of the National Suicide Hotline <gasps> to this day. Oh, I've got chill bumps. How wonderful! Yeah. So now he's been running the uh, the oh. CEO of the NAB for. Almost ten years now. Thank you for that story. And uh, and he continues to fund that through that memorial fund. Oh, well, the main thing we want to get across today in this part of the interview is don't give up. There is hope. Right. I mean, here I was, you know, at the top of my profession, got hit by this illness. Mm-hmm. But two years later, was at CBS Network News in New York. So you can get help. Tell me about CBS in New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always wanted to go to Network News and have the opportunity to be one of the anchors on something called Night Watch. Um, the the regular networks, that's like ABC, CBS, NBC, decided yeah. that this upstart Ted Turner had started something called CNN, 24-hour news. They decided, well, I guess we better start competing. So that's why they started Night Watch, and I was tapped to be one of the hosts. And I will tell you, it was uh, the work itself was easy. I mean, other in that I got to interview wonderful, famous people and go out and do stories covering the Grammy events and all that. But the the being on the air from two to six a.m. is what got to me. It, oh boy, the body rhythms and again yeah. having that clinical depression passed and and probably had still having some of it. Uh, it was not one of my best. Uh, times in my life, but so grateful to God that I had the opportunity. The people were so kind. Living in New York City was, uh, I deliberately moved across the street from CBS, so they'd call me in the daytime when people didn't want to come in in the middle of the night, again, showing all those uh, things of wanting to work all, being a workaholic, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm so glad I did it. But when Channel 3, the Lewis family called, uh, 
to come back to Phoenix, I said, okay, I'll come back. So I want to I want to talk about that, but I also want to stay in New York for a moment. Yes. That came after Channel Ten. Yes. And uh, and took you out of out of Arizona, as you've just mentioned. So nothing in the world has ever changed journalism like CNN and Ted Turner. Uh, he he built the superstation. Yes. And then the network, and that changed everything because the rush to get get stories on the the uh, the whole business of news was changed at that time it was and then of course what changed it even more was of course social media yeah. and and the fact that we all use our computers now every day and that has completely changed everything yeah. and because of that because when you and I were in broadcasting the listener or viewers had just a few choices right. and now there are hundreds of choices, and I feel, and I know I'm going in a different direction here, but I feel— We love different directions. <laughs> I feel because <laughs> now there's so many choices, there's more competition to earn that almighty dollar because it's not as much there anymore. And so thus various channels and networks are not doing uh, the journalistic kind of traditional things that I did growing up in the business, where at Channel 10, if we presented a story on the air that didn't have both both sides Mm -hmm. equally represented, Mm -hmm. like a minute and 29 seconds for this side and a minute and 29 seconds for the other side, we could easily be fired. We had to be fair. Yes. And now, as you know, things have changed, unfortunately, depending on um, what station you're looking at or what uh, network. So I was glad I came along in those times. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because I was on the radio side I know uh, you during were. that time. I know you were. And, uh, and even when I, as a general manager, uh, my news director always knew you're not going to run with, if, if it's a, if it's a, uh, a stirring piece that's going to affect people's lives, you better have two, one or or better, two back up uh, to that story. Yes, and get and, your sources and right. get your sources yes, right. Absolutely. Uh, two or three respectable, respectable sources. sources. Yes. And, uh, and, and now it's just, it's, it's not even there. It's so sad now that yeah. that when false yeah. news goes on the on the air, depending on whatever, I'm not blaming any particular channel. I keep saying channel. I mean uh, network or yeah. you know, it it goes to on the internet immediately, and that becomes real to many, 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 many people. Yeah. And you know, in the old days, if we made a mistake on the air and got <laughs> the facts wrong, the next day we had to go on. It's funny. I said the next day. Now it's the next second. But now the next day we'd go on the 6 o'clock news and give a retraction Mm -hmm. at the top of the newscast. Or the newspapers used to put that retraction on the front page. We don't see a lot of retractions (laughs) anymore. Well, uh, my wife used to own a newspaper uh, in a small market in California, Big Bear, California. So we both have our moments when we're watching or listening to news that, <laughs> oh, there's a grammatical error. It's not spelled know. right. It's who, whoever gave you the privilege of making your own opinion known. <laughs> My daughter hates watching the news with me because I'm always talking to the <laughs> and, and That's not how you pronounce it. <laughs> and poor Walter, you know, uh, here's the most trusted man in America, uh, Walter Cronkite at the time. 
face on Time magazine and all of that. And um, he never gave any inkling of impression of his own political persuasion. Right. He was famous for He wanted you to make the... I'm going to tell you what the story is. You make up your own mind. Yes. And to pull that off was uh that that's what affected the the whole industry of journalism in a positive way yes it did and now it's just um it's so fast everything is so fast we can't give up though we still have to to yearn for truth yeah well and and teach correctly and and but but in all of this um all of this can also bring up medical issues uh, mental health issues. But that's the good news. We can now talk about mental yeah, health issues. Right. Oh, that's right. See, I see that as you a good news. Yeah. That, because in the old days, you know, we covered it up. Aunt, Aunt Shirley, my great Aunt Shirley, you know, went off to Florida to da-da-da-da, but really she was in, in uh, an asylum, but we never talked about it. Mm-hmm. So there are some great things about the media. I know a lot of people love to hate the media, but I still am not giving up and hanging in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all we all need to be doing that. Uh, but thank you very much for for all that you've always done for for. Uh, uh, I, I pulled a couple of of quotes out of your your and, and it's not her bio, by the way. It's called her. Um, oh, I've lost it. It's your it's your life memory, right? Or living living memory? Is that yes, what it is? I guess Instead so. Instead of a bio. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, you used a couple of of comments, or there's a couple of comments in here. I don't know who wrote this. You probably wrote it yourself. I don't know. Arm decoration. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, arm decoration means uh, when I that first night that I debuted with Bill Close in 1976 as the, the first anchor woman in Phoenix, primetime anchor woman. I was called an arm decoration, and I was also called in the Phoenix Gazette, I was called an anchorette, <laughs> which I did not, wow. call, you know, yeah. arm decoration, anchorette, yeah, yeah, yeah. the blonde next to the older yeah. man. But that's why one of the reasons during that time, and I wasn't the only woman doing this, desperately trying to cover stories of substance because women, most of all, and there's nothing wrong with grocery store stories. There's nothing wrong with stories about motherhood or babies. That's all important. But I was the first reporter, not female reporter, allowed in the Florence State Prison to interview rapists when I did my series on sexual assault. That was huge. It was huge. To be able to do that. Like Bill Close was so old-fashioned, he wouldn't even say the word rape on the air or the word pregnant. But the issues that I was interested in and the station, thanks to them, gloriously and graciously allowed me to cover were very hard-hitting domestic violence, uh, you know, incest. Believe it or not, they allowed me to do these stories that people never talked about. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's a blessing by itself. So you did a number number of documentaries that um, you won Emmys for. Tell us about some of those. Oh, I think the most... Wonderful assignment of my life. At that time, I was at the city of Phoenix running its Phoenix 11 station. And to make a long story short, for the first time ever, the Colorado River and the Grand Canyon, the rafting trips, there was going to be a pilot project where the disabled could 
go down the Colorado on regular rafts, not anything special. So when I heard that it was the City of Phoenix sponsoring this through Parks and Recreation Department, I said, that's a documentary. Oh, yeah. And so our crew, we got to spend 15 days and 16 nights on the Colorado River with 30 extremely disabled people. Mm. And uh, they're people first. We bonded like you could never imagine. It was called Take Me to the River. And that documentary is still airing today somewhere. And uh, because the pilot project was successful, now anyone can traverse the Colorado if they can get reservations. (laughs) But that was the greatest assignment of my life. And talk about just a a hymn to our Lord to be able to see the Grand Canyon from the bottom. Oh, my gosh. And love these people. And uh, I still think of them today. We are coming to near oh. the end of the show. I know the time just flies by. Uh, we could do another half hour, but I can't. Um, tell me, you know, COVID has had, uh, it's affected everybody in the world. Uh, now it's extending itself into this new year, not going away anytime soon. And there's going to be a lot of stories written. What do you think your story will be after COVID? Learning the importance of be ye kind one to another. Learning to communicate again with family members and loved ones and letting them know how much they are loved because we don't know what our future is. My faith has been increased, and uh, that's the lesson that I have learned. And most of all, to stop. We have been forced to stop, mm-hmm. and it's not been easy. Yeah. And in fact, I can't wait till it's over so I can return to Africa because my number one project right now is helping some orphans in Kenya with AIDS in a remote village, wow. and we're building them a well. And it is worldwide. But that's what I will take away, the importance of stopping and learning to be kind. You're a lovely woman, lovely, lovely uh, person, and uh, thank and you so much. I love you and Diana. <laughs> thank you so much for being on Rescuers. Uh, the Rescuers show airs every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on faithtalk1360.com and faithtalk1360 over the air. Our podcast can be heard on Spotify, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Just look for Rescuers Radio Show and you'll find it somewhere and anywhere. God bless. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM.